Well, um, I was very moved by the Spirit during worship tonight and uh, actually began to tear up out of gratitude for the joy that it is to be a part of this family on mission with the Lord Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit together. And uh, fortunately, I walked by Linda Camp and uh, she kind of looked at me as I was tearing up and I told her, I said, I'm going to lose it. And she didn't say this. She gave me a hug, but I heard it in my head. Matt, suck it up. You got to give a talk. So um, earlier, earlier this summer, um, in my uh, journal, the Lord put a prayer on my heart. And it's a prayer that I have been praying every day since the Abbey Council retreat um, a couple of months ago out in Inks Lake. And uh, I want to just invite you to pray that prayer with me tonight. It's, um, it's a prayer of surrender. It's a prayer um, of need. And I think it's a prayer that will put us in a posture of openness to, uh, to what the Lord is doing. So if you just want to repeat after me, it goes like this. Father, I surrender to you. And submit to your will. By your spirit. Make me a non-anxious presence. And help me to love. And serve. Like Jesus. Amen. Um, I'm really grateful when the Lord puts um, a prayer on my heart to... Um, can you put? Can you make that happen? Thanks, buddy. To uh, to start my day and to redirect uh, my mid morning and to set me right again in the afternoon and to help me before I go home and to uh, give me a, a grateful and uh, thankful heart before I go to bed. So that's what that prayer has been for me over this summer. So I think Drew began to touch on it, but I just want to touch on it again, and that is the question of. Why are we here on a Friday night? Um, has high school football not started? You know, is it, is, it, is it that we have nothing better to do? No. Um, is it because we're excited to be here together as a family and, and enjoy this family reunion? I think so. I mean, when I walked in here, um, it felt like kind of a, uh, a rehearsal dinner, didn't it? Look, look like in here, and let's just say, Michaela and your team, you guys have done an amazing job. Um, it's it's so fun to watch Michaela and her team kind of catch the vision of what God um, was doing in this space and at this time, and to help give us some imagery. And um, they've been up here all day yesterday, all day today to set the table for what the Lord has to put before us tonight. We're super grateful for you guys. Thank you. Um, maybe, maybe it's family reunion. Maybe it's, um, you know, celebrating what God's been doing. Maybe it's getting a, a glimpse of, you know, where God is leading us in the future. There's all sorts of reasons why we might feel like we're here on Friday night. But there is one big reason, one main reason that is above all other reasons 
And the reason, above all reasons, that we're here tonight and this weekend is because of Jesus of Nazareth, our Savior and King, who fulfills the long story of Israel, which is the history of how the one true living God is rescuing the world. We're here because we've responded to Jesus' invitation to be his disciples, to step into this story, to become part of this story, and to continue this story. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. And the way that we experience and walk into and inherit the kingdom of God is by turning away from all else and turning to Jesus with trust, with an attitude of surrender, a posture of humility, a willingness to acknowledge our need for him. And then he says, come to him in a relationship with him. Follow me. He says, imitate me. Watch what I'm doing and do that. Listen to how I'm speaking and speak that way. And he says, when you come to me and when you begin to do what I am doing, I am going to send you out to continue what I have begun. And you'll do even greater things than me because of the spirit that is within you. We're here because we have come to Jesus. We're here because we are following and imitating Jesus. We're here because we have been sent out to share his life and love with the world. We're here because we've heard and received the message about Jesus Christ. And we've been called and commissioned and consecrated by the Holy Spirit to share today in San Antonio the same message Jesus shared in the same manner that he shared it. That's what disciples do. Look to someone at your table and say, hello, disciple. Entering into this story and enjoying this story and sharing this story is what we do as disciples. It's because it's who we are in relationship with Christ and with one another. And we're here tonight because of him and with him and for him. And there is no better way that we can commit our time or our energy or our thoughts or our money or our prayers than to be a part of the life of Jesus and extend the life of Jesus to others. That's why we're here. That's the bigger story, the bigger narrative that we have been called into at this time and this place together as two expressions of the local church becoming one family of God, interdependent for the sake of extending the kingdom down the Broadway corridor. Our story didn't begin six years ago. Our story didn't begin five years ago. Our story didn't begin last year. Our story began with the risen Christ. When Jesus shows up in the midst of the disciples, 
and they're anxious. They're scared. They just saw him crucified. They hadn't seen him for three days. They think the same thing that happened to him was going to happen to them. And yet Jesus walks into the room and knowing what's going on in their hearts, knowing what they're thinking and what the conversation is like, he says, peace, shalom, be with you. And then he breathes the Holy Spirit upon them. And he says, as the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. And the story begins. Jesus breathes the Holy Spirit upon the first disciples, giving them the desire and the ability to continue his mission and ministry. And the word of God, the truth of God, the life of God, the hope of God, the message of God begins to go out. And so we're missionaries sent out to continue what Jesus began in the same way that he started it. But our story continues and it's further clarified when Jesus gives a great commission on the side of the hill, he says this, this is the message's translation, I love it. God authorized and commanded me to commission you So go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism, immersing them in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then, you're not done. Instruct them in the practice of all that I have committed to you, and I'll be with you as you do this. Day after day, right up to the end of the age. And so he commissions a community not to stay, but to go, not to huddle and hoard, but to sacrifice and to give and to share. He commissions a people, a community to make, not consume, to give away the knowledge of the love of the Lord and the goodness of his inheritance as kingdom citizens. So at the core of our identity, As people of the story, we are following Jesus and helping other people follow him too. But the story continues to be inspired. Inspired by the spirit-led rhythm of Acts chapter 2. It's where we see the first glimpse of what it means to be the church, the people of God. Remember how it starts? Peter stands up. He talks about how Jesus is the Messiah, the king who fulfills the story that God began in the garden, who completes the story that went through Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and David and the prophets. Jesus is the one who brings it all together, giving it meaning and purpose. And people are so moved, they say, what do we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. And they do, and 3,000 become believers that day. And they continue to meet together in one another's homes. And they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and the prayers and the breaking of bread. 
And they meet regularly together in the temple courts and they worship God and they praise God and God gives them such favor as they lift Jesus up in their hearts and in their homes and in all of their activities. And God adds to their number those who are being saved. And so being the church we find means doing life together in Christ. Experience experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit in our midst and not holding on to that, but sharing that with others, lifting up Jesus, welcoming the presence of the Holy Spirit and expecting the Lord to add to our numbers those who are being saved. The story continues by being shaped with the creative and flexible boldness of the missionary model of Celtic evangelism. Remember the story of St. Patrick He grows up in England in the 5th century. A band of pirates come and kidnap him and take him to present-day Ireland where he becomes a slave. He gets caught um, and put put to work. But out in the fields as he uh, shepherds sheep, Sheep, God reveals himself to him. God reveals himself and he has this incredible conversion experience and becomes a follower of Jesus. And he goes back and to some of the other slaves that had been captured, he tells them the story and they actually begin to disciple him in the faith. And one day he's out in the fields and he gets a vision, a vision of a ship and how he's going to escape and He believes the vision that the Lord gave him and he walks and he gets on that ship that actually was there that the Lord provided and he went back home and the story gets a little bit fuzzy, but he probably goes to the continent. We know he gets some kind of theological training. He gets ordained. He actually becomes a bishop and he's in England. He's preaching the gospel and God puts on his heart, I want you to go back to the people that offended you, that captured you, that enslaved you, that made you work because they don't know the gospel. They are separated from me and apart from me, there is no life. So go tell them the good news. And so he gathers a group of 12 around him thinking that was a good idea. Why reinvent the wheel? And he takes that apostolic band and he goes back to present day Ireland and he begins to do life among the people. This group of 12 take the different gifts and the trades and the skills and what they're good at and they just serve and they become part of this nomadic group. They begin to preach the gospel and make disciples and an expression of the church forms and they raise up a group of another 12 and they go down the field about 10 miles and they do the same thing. And within about 200 years, what was considered the most barbaric country on the entire planet hears the gospel and becomes one of the greatest witnesses to the power of the gospel to save lives in history. Evangelism that leads to discipleship that raises up apostolic bands to go out with the word of God to plant the seed of the gospel in people's hearts where new expressions of the church 
are birthed and culture is impacted for the good. But the story continues. Our story uh, reclaims the history of San Antonio, founded around five unique interconnected missions. Have you been down there yet? You know what that's like. It's a great Saturday trip. It's a great Sunday afternoon trip. It's a great bike ride. But those missions are how San Antonio was founded, founded by Franciscans who felt the call to continue Jesus's ministry, to come to an unpopulated area and to establish a mission. And in those missions, there were classrooms for learning and workshops for trade and a sanctuary for worship and living quarters to keep residents safe from the Indians. And, and people heard the gospel. And they came to Jesus and they began to follow and imitate Jesus. And then they started taking part in the story of Jesus, fulfilling the story of God. And all around those missions, people grew crops and raised livestock. And there were the Los Caminos Reales that connected all the missions together. And that story is continuing today. We are picking up and reclaiming that story to create a dynamic network of gospel communities, relationally embedded throughout different neighborhoods, meaning physical, emotional, and spiritual needs, making disciples, developing kingdom leaders, and starting new expressions of the local church. That's the larger story that God has invited us and called us and commissioned us to step into at such a time as this, from Jerusalem to Ireland and throughout the city of San Antonio, we belong to this amazing story. It's the story of God. It's being written on our hearts. It's being written through our lives. And every single one of us has an important role to play. That's why we're here on a Friday night. Because God has given us a call and a commission, and he has consecrated us to continue what he began. It's not a unique call, but how we are expressing it is unique. We aim to see every man, woman, and child along the Broadway corridor to receive multiple opportunities to see and hear and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no greater purpose that we could give our thoughts, our hearts, our gifting, our time, our energy, our money. There is no greater purpose in heaven or on earth than this family. This is our call. And this is why we're here on a Friday night, flying in an airplane, looking out the window at 50,000 feet. So what is Mission 368? We've been talking about it. Uh, You've probably read about it. We've been doing it 
you've been seeing it, but let's focus for just a moment on really what that is. When we started Grace, we knew we wanted to be an expression of the local church, not for the sake of ourselves, but for the sake of the city. A church that collaborated with other churches, a church that made disciples and started new churches. What we didn't know is that God instilled the same vision in the heart of Drew Witt and the amazing people of gathering in Midtown. And yet after a series of conversations and a season of actually doing ministry together, we discovered that we're the same family. Living out the gospel for the sake of finding the lost and discipling the found in the same missional demographic. We're the same family with the same vision doing the same thing in the same place. And what we realized is that the Lord was bringing us together for the sake of a healthier, stronger kingdom partnership in the work of the Holy Spirit for the sake of others along the Broadway corridor. And so slowly... But sincerely, we began to surrender to the Father's love, to submit to his will, to ask several times for a non-anxious presence, and to love and serve like Jesus. And as we did that, the bond of peace And the unity of the Holy Spirit began to sink in and spread out and become contagious and give us this joy. And we became the first movers of a loving family of interdependent churches extending the kingdom along the Broadway corridor. That's the origin of Mission 368. At that point, we didn't have a name. But we started asking God, we need a name. And the Lord, who is a good, good father, loves to give names. And he loves to give good names and unique names and cool names. And one day, he spoke a name. Have you ever been to the intersection of Austin Highway and Broadway? And there's like 15 lanes you can turn left on, right? You know what? You, you, you've, seen this, you've seen this picture. That's, I zoomed it in. Have you seen that? Have you ever noticed that? I was asking the Lord, who are we and what are we doing? And can you give some clarity? to what it is that you're up to so we know how to fully join you in it. And I saw this sign and and just the Holy Spirit pressed upon me those numbers, three, six, eight. Interesting 
The name of Broadway and the Broadway corridor has some numbers to it, 368. And I kind of, I kind of did the, hey, Abba, is there maybe a scripture verse that goes with that? <laughs> and, um, and I prayed about it all the way down. I think I was going to a meeting at Overland. I prayed about it all the way down. And then I prayed about it all the way back. And then I got to my study and I opened up the scripture and I started looking for 36.8 in every book of the Bible. And I found one. Psalm 36.8. There's Bibles on your table. And I want to invite you for just a moment to open up to Psalm 36. In, in those blue Bibles, it's on page 465. Psalm 36 is a proclamation from God about two things. The first thing is the sad state of people who don't know him and are separated from his goodness and love. At the beginning of this psalm, it is God making a clear statement of the fundamental problem of humanity. And the fundamental problem of humanity is that those who are separated from God live tragic, futile lives, and they don't even realize it. Well, that's an interesting verse, Father. Look at this, verses one through four. Sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. They have no fear of God at all. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. Everything they say is crooked and deceitful. They refuse to act wisely or do good. They lie awake at night, hatching sinful plots. Their actions are never good. They make no attempt to turn from evil. Through the psalmist, God is declaring that separation from God leads to rejection of God and wells up in the heart as an independent spirit set on being God. Those who are separated from God end up loving darkness more than light, call evil good, and have a self-righteous excuse to justify themselves as living for themselves and nobody or nothing else. Now, here's the question. How many people along the Broadway corridor are separated from God? All right, let's take it a little bit deeper. Do you remember what it was like when you lived apart from God? When you were separated from his presence and his promises outside the forgiveness and the mercy of Jesus without any help and without any healing and without any hope of the Holy Spirit. What happened to you? What happens to all the people along the Broadway corridor who are living in darkness? who don't even realize it. What does God do? He calls people into his story and he sends them after them. The response in the rest of the psalm is not, whew, God, I'm so grateful I'm not like them. 
It's not, ooh, let's stay away from them. Let's hole up. Let's bunker down. Let's enjoy that we got it all together and attempt to forget that we have the hope that they need. How does the psalmist respond to those in need of God that reflects how God responds to those who are separated from him and need him? Look at verses five through nine. He speaks out the hope that is within him and the hope that is available to all of those who would hear the message. Your unfailing love, O Lord, is vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice like the ocean depths. You care for people and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. And here's the punchline. You feed them from the abundance of your own house, letting them drink from the river of delights, for you are the fountain of life, the light by which we see. This is a declaration of who God is, loving and kind and faithful, especially to those who don't deserve it. In God's goodness, he extends mercy. Because the weakness, the loneliness, the desperation of separation from him is only remedied by being brought into a relationship with him. So he extends his love to those who are separated from him And without his presence and promises, that's what grace is. In Romans 5, 8, Paul says it this way. God showed, God demonstrated his great love for the world in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still in darkness, while we were still lost, while we were still separated He sent Jesus to die for us. God came to those who couldn't get to him. God did for those who can't do for themselves. God does it. In Christ, we are brought out of darkness and into light out of sin and into righteousness, out of brokenness into healing, out of isolation into community, out of death into life, out of meaninglessness into purposefulness. Did I just make that word up? That's what it means to be a part of this story of what God is doing along the Broadway corridor. Verse eight, you feed them from the abundance of your own house, letting them drink from the river of your delights. What if, what if God was calling us 
and commissioning us and consecrating us to be disciples on the go. Banding together as the people of God, as the church, in little groups, meeting in homes, devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the prayers and the breaking of bread, welcoming and worshiping and witnessing to those separated from God, drawing them into a relationship with Jesus, feeding him with his word, praying for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing, enjoying God adding to our number daily those who are being saved. Because we step fully into the same story fulfilled by the same person who is the same yesterday and today and forever, helping people meet Jesus, come to Jesus, follow Jesus, and join us in the mission of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Evangelism that leads to discipleship, that raises up little apostolic bands of 12, that result in multiplying themselves, reproducing themselves through the seed of the gospel of the kingdom of God that result in new expressions of the local church impacting the people and the culture around them for the common good. That has been God's story and God's strategy from the beginning. And from Jerusalem to Ireland and to the city of San Antonio, that's what's being written on our hearts and written through our lives. It's why we're here tonight. It's why I hope everybody comes back tomorrow. Because it is the ultimate reason that we're here. To worship God forever. And in the meantime to help others become worshipers of God too through a relationship with Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Y'all, that is Mission 368. That's who we are. That's our call. And I'm saying there is no better way that we can commit our time, our energy, our thoughts, our gifting, our money, our prayers, everything that God has entrusted to us, freely given back to him, for the sake of the joy and delight of being his sons and daughters in Christ, members of his household, heirs of his kingdom, and those who are drawing others into the same.